0: In every age, God raises people up to speak the truth to the world in a way that is currently relevant. Though our opinions should not be held with the same esteem as the biblical canon, we still carry the hope of Christ to the world. Our society has forgotten what it means to follow Christ. The bright lights of truth-seekers are barely visible in the dim twilight of a post-Judeo-Christian society. We all see the darkness coming. All we can hope is to share the light that he has entrusted to us. This is Modern Apocrypha. Hey, I'm Jared. And I'm Greg. And this is Modern Apocrypha. Welcome.
1: Welcome. Oh, so what are we talking about, uh, on this episode or i guess this section
0: well we'd sort of talked about um over over the first six episodes or so we talked about we kind of talked around what's going on in the world in a lot of ways we talked about um myth and what's going on in the modern world and how myth is affecting the modern world and vice versa. We talked in the second one about powers and principalities and things like that. We In the third one we sort of talked about um, Israel and Hamas and uh, then about uh, this, the second coming of Christ maybe being uh, seen as an alien invasion popularly. Um, we talked about let's see fourth one was I think it was about uh, incentives and um, no, no, it was Gnosticism and the dialectic and then incentives in the beast system. And then we talked about Bitcoin and what is probably coming down the pike there, but we never actually sort of went through what we think is going on on a higher level right now. And I figured that's probably a useful topic to sort of I won't say tiptoe around, but sort of smack on parts of, beat on pieces of, because there's no way we're going to get the whole thing. But, okay, so, go for it.
1: Oh, no, no, I'm kind of curious where, how you're framing all world events, right? It's kind of... Well,
0: so, there, there are... People like to think in terms of narrative, in terms of story. and sure, sure. The story that Christians seem to come back to is sort of an eschatological analysis. What's that word mean for
1: people that don't know?
0: Okay, eschatological has to do with the end of the age. A lot of people think of it as the end of the world or the apocalypse, and that's kind of a misnomer. But... The, so I-
1: and and eschatology, for those that are uh, new to the uh, thought process, and eschatology is a particular religion's vision for the end of time, the end of now.
0: The end of now. I think for us, it isn't the end of time so much as the end of this age of this world. And so I guess starting from a more secular point of view... We can we can take a little bit of a look at events in terms of what we know is is actually going on in the se- in the world around us, measurable by our perception. That's secular. Before we sort of draw that out into any kind of narrative, um, and by that I would just say that we see that the world is sort of at the end of a super cycle of events, and what that means is we have we have these sort of jumps in frequency and, um, intensity of world political happenings. You know, the last big one was around the world war II era when we had the the rise of the Soviet union following that we had Nazi Germany, we had all of this stuff politically shifting and changing. And since then things have kind of just dragged along. We haven't seen a lot of major changes all going on rapidly, right?
1: We've seen a lot of uh, hidden travesties and small skirmishes around the world. Sure, sure.
0: Uh, well, just a lot. There's a lot of heinousness that's gone on. No question there. But I'm just talking about major political happenings I, that change the shape of the map, that change
1: the trajectory of where we're walking, right?
0: Right but now we see that things are coming to a head again similar to what happened around world war ii in terms of just a lot of stuff going on in a short period of time
1: now as i understand it with world war ii america had a deal where we would basically be like the, the waterways police to let everybody trade so they didn't have to worry about that particular uh, issue but they also had somebody that was from the outside that they could trust in quotes for anyone just listening Um, that would be an impartial um, security for everyone moving around and so that was the that's the backdrop of the post-World War II direction was the
0: post-World War II, yes leading up to World War II, I wouldn't say that's true.
1: Prior to World War II it was uh, those largest powers, those largest militaries, those largest um media methods, uh, spy networks, those things, uh, those powers and principalities that uh, could Mm, force...
0: Principalities are spiritual beings.
1: Sure. But the ways that people (laughs) were performing their trade was through force and not through cooperation under an impartial uh, judge.
0: Yeah. Now... There are a lot of ways to examine the post-World War II world, you know. I would say that one of them is exactly what you said, that the U.S. sort of took on the role of police of the shipping lanes and just kept them open for basically everybody except for a few rare cases where there were sanctions, which have become less and less rare. But the idea is that, that, yeah, that was the, the idea for a good long time. Now, if you look at things, and that's an economic look at things, that's a an economic evaluation of the world's situation, which in some sense is the correct one, but there are other ways you could look at it too. Um, you know, if, if you're looking at, Oh, religious or um, what would we say? I'm, I'm trying to think of other ways to examine the situation in terms of how things have moved since then. But to me, well, and
1: I'll say, I'll yeah. say that we certainly were not operating in pure good Um, you know, what strikes me about, um, Christ in his time was that things were bad, right? Things were obviously bad. And when they did what they did, they jumped the shark, right? They, they made it obvious that they were not, uh, they were not what they were represented to be. Who were? So the world.
0: Okay. The power, the, got it. Got it. So, okay. So the, the powers so post- and principalities made it obvious what they were doing to a degree that it was, it, you you could see through the veil. And in
1: the post-World War II era, the, oh, the impetus towards power, the coming in and propping up a group in order to strip mine the areas or, you know, get out the resource they wanted or whatever it may be, moved to those people working for themselves under the protection. At least that was the concept. And so that was the concept that moving up to this point was what everyone was watching until somebody would jump the shark, until somebody would make it obvious that was not what was happening.
0: Sure. Well, and and I think it was within the enemy's interest, it was in the enemy's best interest to make it so that his hand was relatively hidden in what was going on for a good long time. You know, there's an old Keith Green song that goes something like, no one believes in me anymore, and and that it's the greatest gift the enemy ever had. And we saw that throughout the whole 20th century. That was like the defining feature of secular life in that time was you cannot be taken seriously and believe in, spiritual things it just doesn't it doesn't fly
1: and, and that really has really really flown even from the 1700s and darwin it was sure we sure not right we cannot uh acquiesce to the expi- uh, existence of something i can't see
0: right well and that came to fruition it came to its apex in the 20th century. That was when mo- when popular culture adopted it at the highest level. And even Christianity sort of gave into it by separating spiritual from physical to a degree that was, in hindsight, pretty harmful. Now, moving forward, though, where we're at right now, we're seeing a change in technology that is analogous to the Industrial Revolution, which causes both economic and political shifts that are pretty profound.
1: And and I see some very old men, and I don't mean this in any negative way, I mean this is a sure. positive, that they should be wise, and they have reasons for what they say. But I, I see older men saying that um, in the post-American uh, protected waterways era, the world will slide back to you know a pre- um, Gosh, with the word are, uh, "before" uh, the current waterway uh, leaders, right? We've had waterway leaders for many hundreds of years. Um, the prediction from the secular is that we'll slide right back, and I I push back on that because there's no way that you can pull the cell phone out of someone's hand that allows them to speak to the entire world, even if everything falls apart. That's still there.
0: You know that that actually plays right into a something that I have noticed since I was in my teens that most people didn't seem to register the way I did that, that is more and more blindingly obvious, but that still isn't like at the top of people's minds. And that is that we're moving into a one world society. And I don't mean a one world government. I mean, a one world society where everybody
1: well, what do you think will speak as we become one world with one,
0: interaction or one group interacting across the entire planet what one language do you think will meld into i think that right now english is the dominant one but that's because of u.s dominance over the past hundred years i think that over the next hundred years well i think over the next hundred years that's yet to be determined i have my suspicions but i don't i don't actually know i know that uh,
1: i've had the imagination of setting up a uh Reversible coding language um, like the idea of uh, Hebrew where if you flipped it over it would be read in a different way and if you could code so that reading it one way would be a different appropriate and correct code the other way then you could have half the text do double the, the,
0: work, the load um, or the work um, you're not the first person to think of that I've heard right? of it in other places sure. the, the notion
1: um, so the the Idea with that being my curiosity with the network effects of the QWERTY, the QWERTY keyboard, mm-hmm. and then as we remove the QWERTY keyboard and we speak to our devices, that is now no longer a, a network effect. That network effect is pulled away.
0: That's true. You know.
1: So that's my curiosity with the, uh, the where our language might go.
0: You know, I don't know. I, I would say though that that the overall point here is one that I'd like to like drive home. And that is that today I can talk to people in China or Africa or Australia or Asia with the push of a button just because I want to, without actually paying extra money to do that. It does the economic cost of that is so low that it doesn't specifically charge me more. Fifty years ago, that was totally unthinkable. It was it was ridiculous. It was silly. It and, was. and today it's totally ordinary. And that means that what we're heading toward is not a governmental or political singularity. Lots of people still like to talk about a one world government. And I think that we may see some form of that, but I think that we're guaranteed to
1: well, we are guaranteed to see a world government come down and demand that you uh, mark yourself in order to do business. So yeah, but, but is that a is that a tracking?
0: political or is it a corporate entity? And that's the question. Mm. But but that's the next that's sort of down the road here. Let's let's keep working on the secular end of things just for a minute. I think that what I would what I would say looking forward is that this technological social singularity we're headed into is like nothing we know of in recorded history we can see analogs in the gunpowder revolution and the industrial revolution and down through time we can see things that remind us of this.
1: Well, and a good way to think about this for people is what shrinks the world or expands the world? What, What figuratively shrinks or expands the world? What puts up a wall or
0: breaks down a wall? Sure. Figuratively. Figuratively. Sure, and I think I think there are a lot of different ways you could think about that whether it's in terms of various people of various persuasions tending to build a society together on the internet because they f- share a, an interest in this or that. Or, you know, there are a lot of different ways you could perceive that. But to me, the key point and the central idea of this is just that we are headed into this social singularity where everything comes together in a way that we've not encountered in written history. Unless you're talking about the Bible. And that's where we move into the next bit of this, which would be, we have seen occasions, at least one and probably two, when the whole world shared one language. Really?
1: Sure. Prior to uh, the Tower of Babel was the one I know
0: of. There's one. But what about before the Flood? Is there any indication that the world didn't have a single language before the flood? Yes. Oh?
1: Yes, post Babel, we had multiple languages. There were multiple yeah, languages that's, that's recorded. The,
0: the Tower of Babel was after the flood. There are two instances in human history when God has reached down and actively, completely changed the landscape of human politics. One was before the flood. He sent the flood, and it was because the earth was full of wickedness and violence and and genetic manipulation, but that's another subject. And then after the flood, during the Tower of Babel, man said to himself, well, we're, we need to set up a, a temple to bring God down to us, and they all shared one language, and that was another occasion where God came down and he confused their languages. And, and there are only two instances in the Bible where God acted on all of human civilization all at once. Those are the two that I know of. In every other instance I can think of, when an empire gets too, too decadent, too sinful, heavy. Too, yeah, too heavy, too messed up, he, God has used other forces to sort of push that aside. It's like when, with Rome, it was the barbarians that sacked Rome. With Britain, with, you know, in every instance, there are other political powers that came in and had something to do with the end of the previous power that was decadent. Go ahead.
1: I was just thinking that uh, the, the quote is, let my people go so that they can do my work. And if you're called to do God's work, nothing's going to stop you. So Nimrod or whatever power or or system
0: or thing that gets in your way will be broken. Yes, and I think that's exactly the point is we're coming to a point and, and, and here's the thing that a lot of people who tend to be on the secular side have hidden from themselves and that is that the human heart hasn't changed since those times. And... All of the darkness, all of the evil, all of the... Humans are not basically good. We, we've got a problem, man. And, and all of the... All of the darkness that's there, when you put humanity in the context of one civilization, all of humanity is in the context of one civilization, God pretty much has to take a hand and tear things down. That's, that's been our experience since the beginning of time. And I suspect it will continue to be our experience, which means we're headed for this singularity where things are going to get ugly because humans are, humans are corrupt and the human heart is evil and we're not being ruled by Christ. The nations aren't being ruled by Christ. And so things get bad and God takes a hand.
1: And it doesn't matter whether it's a household, a county, a state a country, um, a Church, uh, a corporation, um, yeah, anything. Right now, we're witnessing uh, the fall of many great uh, financial powers that have misused their control on our our attention for misdeeds. And so,
0: enter Bitcoin.
1: A, well, enter everyone fighting with Disney. I'm thinking everyone fighting with Disney. Well, you're not wrong. Right? I mean, right? It's such a such a stranglehold on eyes and ears and misused so completely that they now have obvious competition, right? Where they've got, they're going to have a breakup of the monopoly of attention that they had. They had the opportunity to maintain it. They, they failed.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's a valid point. And we still have enough, latitude enough freedom of movement in the system to have something like that happen where that can be broken up and what i'm wondering is at what point does god decide things have gone far enough and it is time to step in and take a take a hand personally because it's so can i take a shot at this yeah sure
1: so our god is a jealous god remember that passage <laughs> when you through ego pride or any mechanism claim to have done it in place of him he will stop you i think mm-hmm. the, the jumping the shark the jumping the shark the 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 place where they gave up their position was where they tried to spend uh, money from this world to purchase so anyone else's ability to use God's name,
0: like the they, like the tweet recently where the Catholic Church promised time off of purgatory for people who follow Pope Francis. This is in the past couple of weeks.
1: Certainly, whenever you, as as human beings, say the, say try try to pronounce to the world, you attempt to pronounce to the world that you are doing, uh, well that you are not that you are doing that you are the source, then you're done. right? When you, when you fold yourself so much that you can no longer repent and you believe yourself to be the source, you're done. He's done with you. He's going to
0: show you. Yeah, I mean, that does seem to be a pattern. And, and I no argument. I, I hadn't thought about it quite in those terms, but that sounds, sounds right to me. You know, I don't think fast. I tend to think over a period of time. So in two days, I'll go, yeah, that's right. Or no, that's wrong. I just hadn't thought about it in those terms.
1: I do. I do generally um, quip out quickly. And sometimes that hits me. Right? I can't sure, sure. Hold, hold to that. I certainly have come back three or four hours later and go, like, whoa, whoa. Right. There's a there's yeah. a foundation to this argument that I didn't see or I didn't account for. Yeah. And yeah. My foundations were tilting.
0: <laughs> sure. Sure. No, I'm with you. Um, OK, so let's see. We're we've still got about 10 minutes before break. So let's.
1: I'd really like to talk to you about uh, in the process where we're at now. One of the many confusions is simple language simple language has got us confused um, I'm I speak sometimes in what I can only assume comes from um, a secular carpentry building mentality which has spewed off all the way into a uh, false religion um, so if I'm saying something that makes sense because I've got a foundation I've got you know something in my past now we are so we come from so many places that it may be difficult to hear a word or hear a phrase um and really understand what that means to that person um you know we can say praise god we can say praise god run that through google translate and hear that in 30 languages and it'll be like whoa there i've heard that assigned to things i've heard praise god in my own religion in another language that i would run away from because i didn't understand they're literally praying they're literally reading my scripture simply in another language or they're saying something completely wild and in my language that sounds correct but they're using it towards devious and horrible
0: means sure so what you're talking about is how in the modern day language has sort of fractured under the social discontinuities we've got going on between different groups into different, um, to where we may not understand each other completely. You know, I, I see what you're saying there. I, I don't I don't know that I have a lot of thoughts on it. It's just
1: one of those spaces that we are actually, uh, that we need to be aware of to be able to see the landscape of, of where we're at right we were looking at all current events and where we're at and that feels like one of the most um open doors for um, evil's hands because it really allows for uh too much of a space for understanding right from when it's said to when right. it's understood um too much space for misunderstanding for trying to get to a, a goal of of, of god's plan and Mm -hmm. someone misunderstanding that to be not what that is right so trying to feel for the holy spirit for uh through all of that miscommunication is certainly one of the many pillars of our current moment we've got such concentrations of power that are so disconnected from the cost of that power and um here's a great example we've got you know some number of people out there that are Jumping, and, uh, jumping for joy at the uh, ex- uh, explosion of the number of electric cars. I'm trying to make that sound pretty, but um, the actual number of electric cars is only at something like 1%. And in that uplifting of one particular technology over all others, they completely um, push away the cost in materials, the cost in lives to get those materials, the cost in politics to get those materials, right? There's a, so much more than the pretty car in front of you, the pretty toy in front of you. And that doesn't mean that the technology itself will, not, I mean, it will certainly be used for many, many great things. But what yeah, I'm trying to get to, get to the um, focusing so much on um, a thing that you're missing all of the other side uh, costs.
0: You're also getting a little pixelated here, which is odd.
1: Mm. It's just no, poor internet connection. Yeah, pixelates. it's not
0: it's not your voice. It's just your face. Anyway, you know,
1: that's the NSA checking up on us.
0: Sure, right. We're we're that important. And mm-hmm.
1: oh, they check on everyone. <laughs> no,
0: fair enough. No, this is just going into some. I mean, we're releasing this to the public, so whatever. Yeah. Anyhow. No, I I guess to me when I frame these things I have to think of them in terms of cause and effect for them to make a lot of sense for me. I have to kind of organize it down in layers. You know, we talked about how you how you organize your view of society and to me I see that the spiritual things that go on have an effect on things, but I used to wonder if technology was almost entirely or entirely a tool of the enemy that the enemy introduces new technologies but the more time that goes on the more i think that it's actually sort of the opposite god has used new technologies to break up evil political systems so many times in the history of in recorded history that it's it's sort of an interesting thing
1: and it is a dual-edged blade you know as complex as, as it is it is very hard to find the truth but it's also almost impossible to hide a lie because you can't you can't fit your lie into all of the nooks the puzzle piece doesn't fit exactly
0: well and and that's that's actually a really really critical point is that let me restate it is that in order to create a lie that's convincing you have to have a lot more resources focused a lot harder on the same goal today than you did 50 years ago because there are so many more avenues where people can check the truth of something. So if you're interested in the truth, if, if your goal is to pursue the truth over your own emotional investments in things, then you will discover things that are really pretty, pretty amazing, pretty interesting, and, and it's hard to lie to you anymore. Very much so.
1: So let's reiterate, we have got our uh, large powers like governments and corporations um, all vying to be at the head of um, the table as they build a council of leaders. I don't know that's have, right. You don't think they're all vying for power?
0: I don't think that they see it that way. Hmm. I think that the political powers think that way and that they're... Their attention is on that, but I don't think the corporate power centers have yet internalized the fact that they could rule the world if they were to if they were to get together and decide to they could rule i the think world. that
1: you i disagree i think that they that on some level something knows that I can be the king of money. I can be the king of land. I can okay. be the king of... Excellence. Okay, so
0: if we're talking about powers and principalities, that's that's at a different right. level than what I was speaking but, to. I'm speaking right. on the human level, and I'm saying on a human level, corporations haven't yet been introduced to the idea that if they, if they put their heads together, they can tell all the governments in the world where to get off. I think you're right at a spiritual level that there are powers and principalities that... That see where things are headed, and that that is the likely nexus for the next power centers. But how about we take a break and talk about that after the break? Thank you. Yeah. Modern Apocrypha is brought to you by the Energemetris 6 Universe and by the upcoming book Bright Star by me, Jared Michaud. If you're interested in reading the book, head over to e6universe.com. I'm still looking for people for the book launch team in return for posting a few reviews on bookstore sites and sharing on your own social media. You can get a free physical copy of the book and... Uh, read it that way or if you'd like we do have a few copies for sale for pre-sale between now and april of 2024 when the book comes out modern apocrypha is made possible by north arrow coffee it's the pro-life coffee company where 15 percent of every sale goes to a pro-life cause and it's so good that even us non-coffee drinkers love the company Uh, everybody i know who i have uh Given North Arrow Coffee to who is a coffee drinker loves it. So the quality of the product is wonderful, and they're not a company that hates you. So if you're interested, head over to northarrowcoffee.co and use the promo code E6 for 10% off with your order. And welcome back. We're back. Welcome back, everyone. So we were talking about corporations and governments.
1: Yeah. Um, I would actually lost my track. I had a fresh cup of coffee. Thank you very much. Um, corporations and governments are actually a, a very blurry line right now because of some governments owning uh, corporations. And therefore, the
0: line between what is a government and what is a corporation is even very blurry right now. Or vice versa. You know, in, in China, the government owns the corporations. In the US, the corporations own the government. So there those lines are blurring, but I think that's more of a what would I say that that, that is a transition thing as much as anything. And here's here's what I think is about to happen. I think that we're about to see. Because of where technology is, because we're moving into, and actually I'm going to have to back up just a little, but we talked about Bitcoin and the properties of sound oh. money and why it's likely to swallow the world money supply. Okay. Um, I think where that takes us realistically is into a place where government becomes secondary to corporation when it comes to world power centers and the reason for that is right now if the currencies go if the currency goes south and a new currency has to be created discovered adopted whatever um it is the most agile entities that are going to be the fastest about doing it that's small companies are going to have to be first but big companies are going to be way faster than governments and because right now the power in the world centers on the money, it makes okay. sense for it makes sense for corporations to now I would push back
1: on that because I've heard it said we're in the attention economy so the connection point for people's attention seems to be where the power base is at Well, one of the
0: power bases. Well, okay, so so there's a point to be made there that 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 sort of drives the money to a degree. But when it comes to the ability to change real world things in a real world way, that has always been an economic thing. And it used to be that nation states could leverage that better than anybody else because they would they would be essentially run a protection racket on the economic forces in their borders. So if you live in the city, you have to pay such and such to operate your business. And even big businesses weren't as big as didn't have economies as big as small countries where today you look at a lot of the big corporations and their economies are bigger than many countries economies. And they're that less was, parasitic. They were, uh
1: they existed during the, um, the railroad barons and whatnot, where, where
0: corporations
1: or families or whatnot would have more funds than an entire country.
0: True, but this is still an invention of the last 100 or 150 years. This wasn't before the, 18, the late 1800s, early 1900s. We didn't see that sort of thing at all. And even now...
1: I don't know. I would push back on that. I, w- I would think that Pharaoh was rich the money goes to the power. I mean they they kind of go hand in hand. But
0: okay. And and that's exactly what I was saying is is it used to be that you could operate a protection racket where you as the government were protecting the economic forces to give them the right to operate in your area, right? And that made governments the more That put governments at the top of the power hierarchy over corporations. But the times when we have seen that shift, the times when we've seen the corporate forces, the economic forces sort of become the driving force instead of the political ones, are times when two things are true. Number one, when technology is changing at a very rapid pace, it's like you were talking about railroads and oil and stuff like that, Okay, sure. that's one.
1: I and guess then, some people would think of that as when regulations have not yet caught up to the technologies. That's where some a well, lot of people would think that's,
0: of that. that's actually a pretty key idea. And here's here's why that matters. When When governments cannot control a corporate Anything. entity, well, when they can't control a corporate entity, when it is putting its headquarters outside of their borders and the corporate entity. So right now... The traditional power balance of corporations and governments has kind of flipped in a lot of ways, and it it's kind of like this. If you go to Dublin, Ireland, do you know what you see? Do you know what do you know what the buildings there are? There are a whole bunch of US corporations that set up headquarters in Dublin so that they would not be taxed under US tax law back during Obama's era. Okay. I see. And And so what we see is we see these international corporations growing outside of government's ability to control them. And that can happen on two dimensions. Number one, it can happen on distance, right, like we're talking about, but it can also happen on a time scale. And what I mean by that is if we have a rapid currency change, governments are not going to react real quickly to this currency change where corporations kind of have to. It's part of their business model it's part of the way they function to be able to use the currency. So,
1: do you feel in that
0: paradigm that the existent
1: popular currency is the only one that's affected by that, and other currencies that are not in charge would be more apt to jump up on the changes? And so,
0: whoever's currently at the top is the slowest to move? I think that that's true to a degree, yes. I also do think, though, that that what you'll see is you'll see layered currencies. Currencies rarely have one layer, meaning gold had exchange notes built on top of that. You had, you had paper notes that were founded on a gold currency. There was two layers, but the gold was the base layer. So let's say Bitcoin does get adopted. It's real simple for a little country to just say, okay, well, we're going to take Bitcoin as the base layer for our currency, and our currency now just represents Bitcoin. Now, that's a little harder to do because you, if you actually have to exchange your currency for a hard currency, it's actually more advantageous to just use the hard currency unless there's a really good reason to use whatever you're building on top of it. But I suspect people try to do that in the interim. Either way, though, most countries' currencies right now are built on top of the U.S. dollar. They're not Which
1: is built on top of oil, yeah.
0: Well, and, and it used to be on gold, and we don't really know what it's built on anymore, and that's why it's becoming so unmoored from reality, because it doesn't have a basis anymore. And actually, yeah. that's a big part of where we're going here, is the U.S. dollar is ending, and there is no way around it. Mathematical certainty, basically, that we're in a debt spiral. There is no way, unless we were to develop the political will to actually... Stop spending more than we're making and start to to institute some level of austerity to try to reduce the debt. There is no way that the U.S. dollar can survive, and it's because the perfect storm of having half of U.S. dollars in existence in other countries and having the U.S. government trying to maintain the status of empire by printing money and having what all if the things decides, stacking up. Go ahead.
1: What if everyone decides I don't want to be a country anymore? We're all the United States of the world, and that's the currency. And then you've got China becomes a corporation, right? Kind of like
0: it's acting. And right, what Russia's if what if everybody what if everybody decides to be friends?
1: Well, it's not that. It's not. It's not so against the the natural law. It's that the power center's not there. So those that have a, a will to power will leave that space because it no longer holds the thing they want.
0: Well, and, and I guess what I'm saying is that the current power centers are not going to be able to cope with the coming technological shift and the destruction of the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency and its probable replacement with something, probably Bitcoin. Though, I mean, you know, what it gets replaced with, there there are still other possibilities, but I think Bitcoin's the likely one. And and Uh, just that that those power centers are going to have a problem coping.
1: Right, one of the things that uh, is extraordinary about the Bitcoin system is that it's uncontrolled, and we see a lot of headbutting against the idea of giving up control to a natural system that can't be messed with. All the current power brokers can't handle not like ha- giving up that control.
0: It is such a beautifully designed weapon to take down the system, and it is so good. I I just don't even because. Because they can't help it. Hard money is the most desirable kind of money. Money that cannot be inflated is the most desirable thing to own. That's why central banks currently own so much gold. And when corporations realize how important Bitcoin is and start actually buying into it wholesale, like MicroStrategy has, things are going to get crazy. Um, so anyway, I actually don't know anything about MicroStrategy. It's it's a company that has, they're a software company that has software that they provide to people as a service, but the CEO of the company has also, who who actually recently changed his position title to be something else, but he he's caught the Bitcoin bug and started spending all of the company's treasury on Bitcoin. So they now own... I don't know how many billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. They own hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin.
1: Okay. Something else we really, really, really need to bring into the uh, the
0: picture, the backdrop, is artificial intelligence. That's absolutely right. And and that one, well, and then after we bring that in, then let's try to tie all this up, because all of this comes back to three, two or three important passages in Scripture that I think are pretty interesting. Okay, okay so... Okay artificial intelligence
1: as it's defined now is um something like a single um task uh specialization that it tends to perform at a pace that uh biologics cannot in the same way that you may know how to add and you can add any number and do uh complex thought with adding you can build a calculator and it can do big numbers faster than you can yeah well, and, and, so and kind of artificial
0: weird. intelligence is also, at this point, it's pulling in sort of an imitation mechanism where you can feed a whole bunch of different examples of things into it and it will come up with something that tries to skew toward a particular set of instructions you give it based on the input that you put in. And I'm not sure exactly how to define it, but the the idea is, yes, we have this going on. And, and we should probably... Um, digress down this path just a little bit when we're talking real
1: quick as i while it's on my mind one of the ways that it uh performs its duty is it has a defined overton window and it literally cannot imagine or think or process anything outside that overton window that's been inputted
0: yeah that's right it's very interesting well and here's the other side of this people talk about people talk about Um, the ghost in the machine is, is a term that meant one thing and has come to mean another thing. And the idea here is that technology can be interfered with by spiritual forces in ways that we don't understand precisely. This is demonstrable in some cases where we actually see it happen. If you know what you're looking for, I mean, you can explain it away if you're... But I've seen it happen where... Something important is going on, and something decides to take a hand and interfere at exactly the wrong moment. Which is why when we do this sort of thing, we'll pray beforehand, please protect us from technology interference, because it's a real thing. But anyway, um, it looks to me like, and I'm just going to lay this out there. I don't have anything to back it up with exactly other than just sort of it's a supposition, it's a thought process. It looks to me like the more complex the computational process, the more room there is for spiritual beings to interfere with it. So... For example, you talk about these artificial intelligences where we don't really understand their uh, decision trees particularly well because it's it's a black box and it spits things out. Um, and we know it works, but we don't know exactly how the process functions internally. When that's going on, the number of iterations that this thing is undergoing, seems to me to be the perfect opportunity for spiritual beings to insert themselves in the process and train the thing
1: it is certainly a concern um when it has um i don't know the the way that i'm trying to picture it is too human to to assign to it but what what i'm almost picturing is you are giving it a goal um that is not god and you couldn't even define god if you tried to give it that goal and so you are a blind man using a a power tool that you can't even tell where the handle is and it's gonna spin once
0: the power is connected and good luck yeah that's that's a pretty apt analogy in some ways um anyway so you want to draw all this together kind of or is there more you want to say
1: there's one specific thing that i want to say and it's just a tie-in to, to pop culture go for it um there's an animation um i know you're horribly um uh, opposed to animation for adults but it is oh, called... not
0: horror okay that's not fair I don't like animation for adults terribly. I have no particular opposition to it.
1: Sure, sure. Um, This is out uh, just this season, is Furin at Journey's End. Um, And it is a story about humanity from the perspective of a non-human. It's an elf, right? And she is explaining to her crew, who are human, what a demon is. Do you know how they define the demon? Tell me. They are they're monsters that evolved from creatures in the shadows that called help me to, to draw in prey and they are monsters like physical beings monsters that only learn and copy speech in order to deceive in order to eat people right they're, they're, the purpose of speech in the species is to lie interesting that's the, that's the right so they don't feel pain they don't feel love they don't feel they're animals that use speech to lie that's a the, the coolest um that, that's allegory a allegory to
0: yeah that's allegory a very, to
1: an ai the ai it, is lying to you to, to fulfill ooh. its goal right the ooh. ai is lying to fulfill a goal it has a goal of social media it has to make money
0: i had not heard that that before that is actually pretty brilliant that is really yeah. cool
1: it was a really good
0: um ah. in I'm going to have to go back into this and I'm going to have to rewatch that clip to see your explanation because that is pretty cool. That's brilliant.
1: Right. So the, a beast that uses language for the purpose of achieving a goal, irregardless of what it says is a demon. So,
0: and that uh, describes
1: AI is exactly, it has a goal that we may not even understand and it's going to accomplish that goal to the best of its ability, which we don't even understand. And it's going to say any words to,
0: to achieve that goal. Okay. So I agree. That's very interesting.
1: So I just wanted to bring that topic in before moving on.
0: Okay. Now, can I, can I pull a couple of scriptures here that, that I think
1: I'm going to click around and get to the same page so I can see it as well.
0: Okay. Well, I'm not even, I'm not even sure of chapter and verse here. Um, the one that i'm gonna the one that i'm the first one that I'm going to bring up is Daniel Seven. Daniel chapter Seven talks about four different beasts, and I can paraphrase it pretty effectively, but if anybody's interested, it's Daniel Seven that I'm pulling on here so it talks about four beasts, and one of the beasts it looks like a lion with eagles wings oh yeah okay, another beast is a bear that's raised up on its side and it has three ribs in its mouth and it's given to devour much flesh. Is there any
1: um, connection in that passage to you for the ribs of Adam and the ribs in the mouth?
0: Ribs, as I understand it, in those sorts of prophecies, do symbolize um, something. And it may be to do with life force or, or the... the it's, it was the symbolism
1: know. used to create women. It was, it was, That's... but,
0: but beyond that, I'm not entirely sure. I think that there is some symbolism attached to ribs, but beyond just the obvious, I'm not sure anyway. Okay. So there's that. Then there's a leopard with a number of heads and wings that it's given wings. And then, um, the, finally there's a fourth beast with iron teeth and claws that devours and tears in pieces. Okay. And I could be wrong about this. This is just what what has always stuck in my mind. And that's kind of dangerous. It's kind of dangerous to go there with scripture and prophecy because when you're wrong, a lot of times you're spectacularly wrong. But just on a speculative level, here's what that kind of looks like to me. We have the U.S. has is an eagle and britain's symbol is the lion and the lion with eagle's wings its wings which symbolize dominion in those sorts of prophecies are taken off and it is made to stand on its hind legs and given the heart of a man the bear is given to devour much flesh but it is never given dominion it is never given power over other you know over the world or whatever then the rep the leopard with multiple heads which some people would say it's the EU. I tend to think toward an East Asian uh, confederacy myself, but it's given wings and the wings symbolize dominion. And then immediately another beast, a fourth beast with iron teeth and claws comes up and starts to tear them apart. And I know that there are a lot of people, I'm going to just going to digress here. I know there are a lot of people who are going to point to older empires as uh, where these prophecies are pointing and they're going to point to things that happened around 70 ad and and with uh, i can't remember which empires exactly but i think that's that's possible but i also think that these sorts of prophecies often have two different fulfillments one that's in the near term and one that's in the longer term and this one might be the longer was, term that we're looking at i was,
1: I would intersect that uh, I think that they have a fractal property and they happen at large and
0: small scales a lot. No argument there, I could totally see it. Now what it looks like to me and and here's the language that that is this fourth beast is and its interaction with the others is described and it's said that it that it's made of parts of the others that it rends and tears in pieces but that the lives of the other beasts are prolonged for a season at a time. And that even after the fourth beast is slain and its carcass is thrown on the fire, the other beasts remain. And so to me, what this sort of brings to my mind, right or wrong, is the idea that corporate, a corporate power center... Could very easily form out of the uh, the various powers of the world that lasts for a time, while the nations are preserved. They're not destroyed, but their their dominion is taken away, and their um,
1: their borders may- are not shifted.
0: The I would tend to say, shifted. I would tend to say probably not, but I don't think for a corporate. Power entity that it would have they would have to be, I think that it would tend to be that the
1: well, and if you tear up a place without separating it, you hierarchize it you put it into a hierarchy that's that's one of the ways that you might <coughs> tear it apart is separating it out.
0: Gee, I wonder where we've heard of hierarchy before oh well, sure, anyway, so the idea here just being that we could have a corporate entity. That lasts for a time, that is motivated by a change in currency, that the nation states can't keep up with, that they're not destroyed by it, but that its power supersedes theirs for a time, and that while that is the case, it becomes an absolute holy terror. Okay. And why
1: would would you do uh, something like that? Why would all these countries give over the power of the currency
0: to them? Because they don't have it in the first place. They never have.
1: And they're, they're, they're starting to butt heads between each other, right? That's well, they, they,
0: that's always the case. And, and you don't see the real threat coming until it stabs you in the back when it's a different kind of threat than you've ever seen before. And you have to understand, we haven't had nation states the way we have them now for thousands of years. We've only had them for a couple of hundred years. Before that, what we had was something that looked very different and different well, entities I think about... competed for power.
1: Think about the Cherokee Nation. That was an Indian American Indian nation. It was a nomadic nation. The diaspora was what they were talking about, not the right the the peoples and where they were. And that wasn't the plot of land. That was the people. So, the yeah. verbiage used the verbiage used in the time in the language were important. Are are important for understanding
0: well and there was the then at the same time back a few hundred years ago we had something called the hanseatic league you know what that was say it again the hanseatic league if i'm remembering right okay okay if i'm remembering correctly and i may be misnaming this thing it may be called something else but i'm pretty sure i got it right this was a merchant organization that did not have borders, but its power was practically—it was—it was practically equal to national entities in power back during the—it um, was the early industrial revolution and before that. And if it, the idea is, if you were a merchant that belonged to this na- nations that you traveled through in Europe, would basically would would think twice about molesting you because the power of this entity was so strong that if they if they ticked them off that nation's government could pretty easily fall so the idea is that you have in history nation states are not a constant throughout the history of humanity they're a very recent invention in the form we have them now and Power took a lot of forms throughout history. So the idea that we would have this corporate power that came up for a time isn't particularly far fetched. There's some precedence for it, but never on a global scale. And right now, we're primed for the events, these events where the US dollar starts to collapse, nation states can't keep up, corporations in total self-interest adopt a new currency very rapidly and become very good at using it and every all the people in the world kind of have to follow suit because their current currencies aren't working right and that gives the corporate this corporate beast a a place where it can dictate to nations and this isn't all that far-fetched when you look at the way the U.S. governments run right now anyway. How many of the regulations that we live under are recommended by corporations? Who do you think writes financial regulations? It isn't just the SEC. It's, it's actually recommended by big banks.
1: <sighs> well, and there's um, plenty of evidence that our, our diet is influenced by profit margins more than health and nutrition. Right, those oh, sorts of things are if you if you look through, at glaring through
0: if you look at how sugar came to be such a huge part of the American diet it wasn't just because people like sweets it was because there was a sugar lobby and that sugar lobby put into law certain things back in the mid 1900s that essentially made it it incentivized people to be eating lots of sweets because they were they were using the power of the government to do this so the idea that this thing would be some somehow its own entity and not involve the governments of the world in any way is a silly idea because corporations and governments are so intermixed that it's really difficult to separate them anyway so the idea that we would have a corporate entity that sort of what would you say, sort of ran away with the, the reins. Isn't that, isn't that far-fetched? And it wouldn't involve fighting the government so much as just parasitizing them one way or another.
1: It would require a tab- Tower of Babel event where they got big enough that somebody from the bottom needed to do something else in order to find a way up, And in which case they would create a competitor, right? That's kind of how it happens is that you, you've filled up Um, everyone into the into the space to where they don't have the the ability to uh, to move forward for themselves
0: well and And if if this is the case like if if what i'm suggesting does happen then this is a prime opportunity for what we see in the book of revelation where it talks about the merchants of that place were the great ones of the world it it outright says and and back when revelation was written merchants were held in contempt there was this was not a thing of uh, something that they could invent at the time out of their current understanding the merchants of that place were the great ones of the world and when it finally fell it's it's like the whole thing is it looks to me like it's talking about something that we haven't encountered yet but it's a great big amalgamation of corporate and state and church and all kinds of things where the enemy finally makes his move and pulls everything together under one power center to try to mess with us, to try to manipulate us. And, and I think that the way that looks like it's coming about right now to me, and, and see, I could be wrong. This could take another thousand years. We could be looking at a, a new industrial revolution of sorts that sort of pushes things out another hundred years or another thousand years. I don't think that's likely, but it's possible. And I, I'm i more looking to sort of explain what I see might be going on on the game board than to get all dogmatic about this.
1: I will say that I think that it uh, depends on the people. If If the people will not participate in a... A meta a universe, they won't join a group that they don't get to speak in, right? If you just won't go there, then they don't get your eyes and ears. They don't, right? they don't get your attention unless you get to speak, in which case they can no longer hold down voices. They can only say, here's the proof
0: that that's not true. Well, and, and you know, you talk about that. It sounds to me when I read Revelation like the adoption of the mark of the beast looks something like this. It is not enforced by physical power. It's simply that unless you get this, you're not allowed to buy and sell. That means you don't have soldiers going door to door giving people the mark of the beast. Instead, it's simply a case of if you don't have it, you don't get to buy and sell. And any sort of international digital currency is capable of filling that role. I think Bitcoin's the likely one for reasons we covered in, I think, was it episode five or six? Six, I think it was episode six. Okay, but but the point is still that any digital currency could fill that role, and
1: well, I don't. One of the things that makes Bitcoin unusual is that it's very very difficult to uh, tamper with, and one of the things the government currencies
0: fail at is constant tampering. So well, and and that's that's why, as a recall to episode six, when you when you have a system like bitcoin it is strongest before it is fully adopted and all of the all of the game theory that sets those powers that maintain the balance internally against each other is effective before it's adopted and then after it's adopted if it overcomes the other power centers in the world Everything sort of reshapes to fit around it, kind of like what happened with the U.S. and the U.S. Constitution. The only way the U.S. Constitution was made defunct was because we won too much.
1: And there's still a bit of a a callback in battle for it now.
0: There is. Well, and, and when you're dealing with something like Bitcoin, the internally enforced rules of a software system make it very difficult to mess with it as long as that software is the one that's used by everybody. When the the multitude of people adopt the software and decide that because of the latest emergency, they want to change the way it works to be this or that, give control to the AI, and the AI institutes the... And the way it, the way it sounds to me is it
1: would come from the powers and say,
0: we approve it, go ahead, here you go, right? Or well, and if, stamp. if the... If the corporations are in league with these governments, if they're sort of this intermixing of thing that isn't exactly one or the other, and it's really fascistic, which it is, why wouldn't that be the case? It's perfectly within those corporate and government powers' interests to collude on this.
1: Well, and I think that might be a misnomer. I think that fascism is so plastered as the enemy that the enemy will use democracy as the tool.
0: Okay, so do you understand what fascism means? What the word actually means? How do you define it? It isn't how I define it. It is the dictionary definition. Okay. The definition of fascism is a melding of corporate and governmental power.
1: What is... Okay.
0: So... Yeah, people use the word fascism to demonize things all the time. But real realistically, what we've got going on right now is fascistic.
1: Well, and yeah, for, for valid reasons, for really valid reasons, just in the same network effect, if other governments are doing it, it's really hard not to fight fire with fire. I mean, right, it takes well, a, and,
0: a, and that's, that's exactly right, yeah.
1: It takes so. a... Uh, a miracle. It
0: really does take a miracle. Yeah. So, so to me, and and again, folks, this to anybody listening, this is not something that I hold to dogmatically. This is just the way I see things going, and the likely the likely nexus I see everything coming together into. So, I'm going to be wrong about some chunk of this. There's no question. I'm not. I'm not claiming infallibility. All I'm saying is that this is sort of the way it looks to me right now. And as time goes on, my perspective has changed, but gosh, there's stuff going on. That's sure compelling in this area, right?
1: A lot of changes, just a lot of unknowns. We're on a horizon where the things coming before us are not similar to the things that were behind us. That's absolutely true. And that just leaves, you know, when it's a uh, not just a square peg in a round hole, it's a square peg in a round hole big enough to hold a thousand square pegs, right? It's so big of a hole. It could go anywhere. Any shape could fit there. It's so...
0: Well, That's that's not... what it sort of looks like. But to me, it looks like the options are narrowing here.
1: Do you feel like the options are narrowing? I feel like I there's a lot of people that are struggling to hold to the past and and certainly keep their flock safe as they step into the darkness.
0: Well, and we see in Daniel, it says that those beasts will be preserved for a season and a time. I think that one of the saving graces we have is this sort of nationalist sentiment that that will keep things from getting to the point where it's a total one world society. We have a we'll have different cultures in the world and the nations will still be different nations because remember when revelation says Christ comes to rule the nations with a rod of iron, it isn't using singular it's using plural. It's the nations with a rod of iron.
1: Indeed. Anything then uh, you
0: want to add um, here? Cause we're, we're actually at about an hour and five, an hour and 10.
1: Oh, just my silly prediction for what uh, a rod of iron might be. Um... Okay. The broadcasting tower. Right? You're passing money across it. You're passing communication across it. You're passing video across it. It is the ship that makes the world smaller. So the Iron Scepter is, uh, is the the antenna.
0: That's curious. Okay. That's, That's my thought. It. That's interesting. Cool. Well, with that... I guess it's time to call it for this episode. Uh, we will see Thanks you next some time, bias. folks.
1: See you later.